I'm not a very traveled person, really. I, I, have done, I, have, I have not done much traveling in my life. I've been uh, to Israel and an archaeological dig one time, and you know I drove to Florida once, and uh, but I just I'm, I and I've been a, a little bit to Mexico and some mission trip, but I'm really not a traveled guy. If you were going to call and say, "Hey, uh, where would be a good place to go on vacation?" you wouldn't call me. You just wouldn't. I'm not a I'm not a travel agent. I'm not a traveled guy, and maybe that's because of of just, that's not who I am, maybe, maybe we've never really had the finances to travel, maybe, maybe it's just uh, too many years in farming that, uh, you know, we, we didn't take time off to travel, I mean, if the baler needed to be repaired, you could say the travel budget went into the baler, you know, whatever that was, it, it's just the way it was, and, and so I never, and, and even as a kid, we never traveled, I, I don't think, uh, I can, I, I remember no family vacation growing up. We didn't. We didn't travel. We didn't go anywhere. We we and we worked hard, but we didn't. We and, and I don't know if I missed a lot or if I didn't miss a lot because I, I I don't know. And you could be saying, well, you missed a lot. Maybe I did. I haven't seen much of this country. I've seen some of Pennsylvania. I've seen a lot of Tioga County and a lot of Blair County, but I haven't seen much. But the traveling that I have done in my life was was usually going from one spot in Lancaster or Blair County and going back. We would say go north. And it, it's, I've stopped saying go home because home uh, switched to here, so we come back home now. We don't travel home. So we travel up north. When we go, we go up north. And I was in Lancaster. We went up north. When you live on the New York State border, wherever you are in Pennsylvania, you're going north. You know, and so we would travel north, and we did that multiple times in Lancaster, and mostly around the Christmas or the holiday season or summertime, we would always go back to see family. And family was uh, the, the Airbnbs that were free. That's what we liked about families, right? You get to stay in the Airbnb, and it didn't cost you anything, and usually mom or, or Cheryl's mom or someone would feed us. And so it was a great place to go. But back and forth from Lancaster to Tioga County or from here to Tioga County back in the day, there was great adventures between here and there in our travel. That was very memorable moments of, of traveling. And, and we had a car that wasn't really, the girls really didn't like the car. That was the car there. You know, it was a, it was a well, now look at that baby. I mean. I mean, that's the minivan of, you know, back in the day, you know, that, that, it, you know, the girls really never cared for that car, you know, the side posts light up, you know, it was really, I mean, this was, this, they called it Moby, that's what they called it, they called it Moby, because you, you couldn't park it just in one parking spot, you kind of went through into the next parking spot, and the way we got that car was miraculous, we were going to buy this car, we needed a car, we went and looked at this car, and Cheryl absolutely hated the car. But it runs so good. And the guy really, he wanted, he wanted uh, $1,200 for it. And we thought it was worth it. And, and so we went, we went and made the deal. We drove it and Cheryl's like, I know God wants us to have this car and I hate it. <laughs> the, a direct quote with the same inflection. I hate it. That's what she said. So we went into the house to talk to the people about buying this car and and. And, and he said, we wanted $1,200 for it. We said, 
well, take that. And he said, okay, good. Well, I can meet you next Thursday and whatever to make the title transfer and everything else. We went out of the house, and I'm thinking the whole time we ain't got that much money. We've only got we've only got a thousand bucks. That's it. And so, and I'm thinking on the way out, we just made a deal, and I don't have that money. And so, and this is an aside. This may be another sermon, but just as we were walking across the guy's patio, the door opened, and the guy yelled, "Hey, Ed!" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I was expecting you to haggle me on that price a little, and you didn't. Let's just call it an even thousand." So this car, we traveled back and forth from Lancaster and, and, and back and forth from here to home multiple times. And to load that car up was a feat. It really was. In the back, you had this compartment that you could open up, and it was like a whole world down in there. I mean, you could pile everything in there. I fit a half a beef down in there one time that somebody gave us. You know, it was like, it was like, you know, it was like the old moonshine runners would have loved that car. You know, they could hide it down in there. And then you could put stuff on top. And, but packing the car and getting ready to go and getting ready to make that trip three hours from here, four and a half hours from Lancaster, it was a feat. It was a feat to get everything in the car, get everything, make sure the cat's litter box is chained, make sure you got enough food, make, make sure everybody's in the car, get your stuff, did you go to the bathroom? I mean, it's just it's exhausting just to get to the car. And we got to the car and we packed and we headed north. We were excited to see family and we were excited to to travel and see family and spend a few days with them. And as we traveled, it began to snow. If you know Cheryl, she don't like S-words, snot, snow, and snakes. <laughs> and to travel with snow was, was added. You ever realize that when the roads get snowy, the radio goes down? Somehow, if you can hear better, you can drive. I don't, you can see better. I don't know how all that works. But when it, things get tense in the car, shut up! You know, it's like, like you can't see if the radio is on. You know, I don't know how all that works, but that works in me too. Shut up! Turn the radio down, we're driving. So, so the journey began to get more eventful, if you will. And we were traveling, and we go up to old route two, we're up to route 220, and we, and we get off on 287. And 287 kind of goes up through Morris and up through the countryside there, and there is not one straight piece of road on that road. Not one. And so there's this dandy mini-mart up there. It's a place, great place to go to the bathroom, get some, sna get some snacks, no, some snakes, get some snacks. <laughs> and so we pulled into Dandy's. They got a map of Dandy's mini-mart here, just above Larrysville, if you know. There it is. See, Dandy's convenience store. You see the red arrow here? Just so you know, that's a curb. So now I'm pulling Moby, which is loaded in the back. You can barely see out the windshield because the whole thing is like this. Because we're going home for Christmas. We got everything you can imagine in the back of this car. And so all of a sudden we pull into Danny Minimar. All I need to do is go to the bathroom. That's it. Maybe get a soda. Maybe get a snack. We, we, that's all we need. As I pulled into Danny, Dandy's Mini Mart, of course, the snow is on the ground, the snow is on the road, and all of a sudden, the front end's not turning where the way the steering wheel goes. Slam! Into that, uh, into that uh, curb.
Just so you know, if you hit the curb in the right spot on the rim versus tire, it'll break the bead down instantly on your tire. And just so you know, your tires are full of air. And when you break the bead on the tire, instant flat tire. So now it's snowing, and now we've run in. Now, there's no we in this. Now I have run into the curb. I take full credit for that. We pull over into like the second or third parking spot on this side. And now we have to change the tire. The next picture is the, I want to show you this. See that little, see the yellow thing? See that hump in there? That's the tire. You see the dotted red line? That's the stuff packed in the car. It's snowing. It's mushy. You can hold your cup out and get a slushy if you wanted to. It's just kind of miserable. The tire has to be taken out. And I'm praying the whole time, let it be full of air. Because I have no idea if it's full of air. All the stuff comes out. The tire comes out. Boom, boom, boom. The tire is hard. Praise God. Jacking the car up, doing everything. But you can't leave the stuff out on the street because it's snowy. So you take the tire out. You put everything back in the car. And you change the tire. Now you have the old tire. And you can't just throw it back in on top of everything else. So everything else has to come out of the car. And you have to put the tire back in its slot with the jack. Who designed where those jacks go every which way with a screw on them? Who is that engineer that described, that, that, that invented or, or designed those jack-holding things? So we got the new tire on. We got the old tire back in its spot. And, of course, it hasn't let up one drop in snowing. Everything back in. Christmas gifts now you can see through because they got big drops of snow all over them. It's soaked up. Everybody's singing, we wish you a Merry Christmas in the car. <laughs> Led by Dad. And we started up 287. And there's straight, and there was no straight roads. And we navigated the snow. And it was 50 more miles. And it did not stop snowing. You could have said our, our, our travel was very eventful. And all our travel, seemingly from point A to north, was always eventful. It's full of events. You know what eventful is? It's full of events, full of occurrences. And occurrences, is, and I looked it up, just occurrences, just a happening. It happens. If somebody says, well, I had an uneventful trip, I want to ride in their car. Because we never had an uneventful trip. I ate my hoagie and half the paper because it was midnight and I was trying to eat a hoagie on the way. And I ate half of the paper. It's always eventful. It's no wonder we don't live a life of travel. We can't physically take it. There's always something happening. There's always something going on. Do you feel that way in life sometimes? There's always something happening. There's always something going on. My life is eventful. In 2 Samuel, we see David's life, and we see David's life being very eventful. And if we track David throughout his life, he was one event, one happening, one event, one happening on top of another occurrence, on top of another occurrence, on top of another occurrence. He was, it was always snowing. It was always a curb. There was always a flat tire. There was always something going on in David's life. 
People say, I want to be David. I don't want to be David. About three verses of David are who I want to be. The rest of his life was very eventful. And some of it was not easy to do. Some of it was very challenging in his life. But David walked through life, through these events, through these happenings, through these occurrences in his life. In 2 Samuel chapter 5, we see, we see Daniel. 2 Samuel in chapter 1, we see Dan, something happening in David's life. This great transition in his life. He was anointed king uh, many years prior to this moment. He had spent time running and hiding from Saul, the reigning king of Israel, because Saul wanted to kill him. You know the stories. During this time, David and his mighty men had been in many battles. They were really soldiers of fortune. They just really were soldiers for hire. They fought for different sides. They were men who, who, were, who, who were after it. And they were men who were mighty and men who knew how to do battle one after another. They were in one battle with someone and they got done and then they come back. Their whole family had been taken by another entity. One event on another, on another, on another. And David navigated these events. In 2 Samuel 1, we see that Saul dies. David's running is over. David's running is over. And we pick it up in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, We are your own flesh and blood. Saul is gone. And the whole nation of Israel is running toward David. And say, we are your flesh and blood, David. We, we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king uh, over us, you were the one who led Israel on military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will be their ruler. Remember what God said? Remember what God said? And David's thinking, man, Saul is dead. And now it's my turn to step up because I do remember what God said. I do remember that God said I was going to be the king over Israel. It's been 10 years. One event, one happening, one event on, the, on top of another, on top of another. And it's this moment, this, the sunshine really just came out on David. Because we know that David wasn't not going to kill Saul because God said, no, leave your hand off my anointed. But God had taken care of Saul and David finally gets to come and be the king of Israel that God had promised him years before this. And verse 3 says this, when all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a compact or an agreement with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. I'm telling you what, that's got to feel really good for David at this moment. Because he finally is in the position that God has called him to. Verses 6 and 7, jump into verses 6 and 7. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites who lived there. The Jebusites said to, said to David, You're not getting in here. Even the blind and lame can ward you off. You pantyweight, you can't get in here. So David is supposed to be ruling from Jerusalem. And he goes there and the people who are inhabiting Jerusalem says, uh, No, thank you. 
They thought David could not get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, the city of David. So now David's really got a feeling good. He has been anointed king, and he has moved from Hebron and stopped running from Saul and been anointed king and been received by all the nation of Israel. He has come, and the Jebusites were, were, were set up residency in the city of David. And David was able to, to go and, and capture that city and kick the Jebusites out. And now he's going to be sitting there in Jerusalem and saying, Woo! He is king ruling over Israel from the city of David. That has to be a sweet moment for David. Jumping down to verse 17. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went off in full force to search for him. You've got to be kidding me. Here's another event, another occurrence, another happening in David's life. David has worked and stayed faithful, and he has walked with God, and he has been one event after another, after another, after another, after another. And he finally arrives where he knows where God wants him, and all of a sudden, the Philistines show back up. You've got to be kidding me. If you remember, he doesn't have a real good working relationship with the Philistines anyway because he took out Goliath. This happening, how does he handle this? How does he handle this moment in his life? When the Philistines uh, heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. The men talked about this a couple of Thursday nights ago. He went down to the stronghold. And David is not hiding. David has, David has guts enough to do whatever is out there to do. David is not hiding. He's in this stronghold. I think this stronghold is just a representation of getting my faith, getting my eyes off of the Philistines and getting them on the Lord. I just need a stronghold. You and I need a stronghold because your life is going to be full of events. One after another, after another, after another. One flat tire, one snowy road. One glorious moment. Another glorious moment. And then all of a sudden it starts stops snowing and starts icing. Thank you very much. But David does not hide in the stronghold. He goes to the stronghold for a very particular purpose. To get his eyes off of what is and get his eyes onto the God who can change everything, who can turn it around. Verses 18 and 19 says this, Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the, in the valley of Rephaim. That means the valley of giants. So David inquired of the Lord. So while he was in, in, in the stronghold, he went to the stronghold so he could inquire of the Lord. 
So he can ask God, how do I take this step through life? How do I face this next challenge in my life? How do I get here from here to there in my life? He was not hiding. Let me in the stronghold. He was not hiding. He was not a coward. He was a man after God's own heart. He was a man of God. And he wanted to know, God, how do I handle this flat tire? How do I handle this snowy road? How do I handle this, this, this nice hot coffee from Dandy Mini Mart? Which that might be overrating Dandy Mini Mart coffee. We'll just say hot. How do I handle this next step in my life? Of success or of challenge? That's what he's asking. So he goes to the stronghold and he, and he inquires of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. So David is in the stronghold and he is inquiring of the Lord, Lord, how do I handle this situation? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, what do you want me? How do you want to direct me into this situation? I don't want to move ahead without you, God, in any of my life, God. And just so you know, strongholds and inquiry of the Lord is the go-to for David. Over and over and over. Inquired of the Lord. If you search for those things in the Bible, you're probably only going to find David who did those things. He was always asking God, how do I do this? What steps do I take? How do I get through this? Where do you want me to do? Are you going to give me victory here, God? Because it doesn't seem like I'm going to have victory. There's a lot of them, and they're in the Valley of Giants. And I just got the position. I haven't even had a big ceremony yet. I don't even know where all the army is yet. How do I handle this, God? He's inquiring of the Lord. And so David, in verse 20, so David went to Baal, Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as water breaks out, the Lord has broken out against my enemy. So that place was called Baal, Baal Perazim. So the next thing that David did, he proceeded to do what God told him to do. Go, David. You, you know, you know I, I'm, I, and just so you know, I almost just said, God, i got to wait a few weeks till I get on the other side of this because I'm up against something that I don't know if I can preach this effectively. And Thursday, I almost just cited the whole thing because I'm not only preaching to you, I'm preaching to the guy in the mirror because sometimes I don't know how to handle the flat tires in my life. And I go in, and I read this verse, and I got downright angry this week. How fast did you answer David? It seems like the next word, yo, I don't know if it was a week or a month or six months. I don't know. But he spent time inquiring of the Lord, how do I handle this situation in my life? How do I do this? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to say, God? And God said, I want you to go and defeat the enemy. And so David comes out and he proceeds with the, the command of God. He proceeds with what God says Verses 21 and 22. The Philistines abandoned their idols and David and their men carried them off once more, once more. So they went out there and these, these, the Philistines just run. They run so much they didn't even take their idols with them. 
David said, hey, you left your idols here, but we'll take them, and we're just going to go and have a big bonfire because these idols really aren't anything anyway. Apparently, they didn't do a whole lot for you. And so the Philistines run, and they gather up all their idols, and they burn their idols. Then look at the, verse 22. Once more, the Philistines came out and spread out in the valley. You've got to be kidding me. If I'd have hit that curb on the way out and flattened my other front tire, you wouldn't have a pastor because I'd have jumped in front of the next truck coming down the road. David says, he's got to be saying, hey, men, gather up all these idols and just take them over here. We're going to have a big bonfire. Back to Jerusalem. Woo! God did it. God did it. God did it. God did it. And he looks out the window, and here comes the Philistines again. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley. Look at verse 23. So David inquired of the Lord. That's his default setting. I want that to be my default setting. Because I don't know about you, but I can get one piece of information and I can grow weeds like you can't believe in my head. I want my default setting that when I face a flat tire, I'm running to God. And I'm inquiring from God. See, he, he's, now he's not physically in a stronghold. Mentally, he's in a stronghold. So there's physical and there's mental. He just went there. He went there and asked God, what should I do? How should I handle this? This is the second time, God, that these Philistines have come up against me. So David inquired of the Lord, and, 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 he, and he answered, ah, I got a new plan. This is God's talking. Don't go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the balsam trees. So as soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the balsam trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you and you will strike down the Philistine army. <laughs> I just, we read through that and say, yeah, that's God. Really? You go sit under the tree until you see the leaves rustling. And when you hear the leaves rustling that sound like marching, then I want you to go. You think, my God's loony. <laughs> see, God, I just want you to get it done. God said, we're going to get it done. But you need to listen to me. The last time you did this, and this time you're going to do this. See, I wish sometimes God would just... Do it the same way over and over and over and over. And he said, you know what? If I did, you wouldn't trust me anymore. You would just do it the same way over and over and over and over and over. But what I want you to do is over and over and over is to go to your stronghold and inquire from me and listen. So David, in verse 25, so David did as the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. That's 15 miles. He has strewed dead Philistines for 15 miles. You know what I think that says? To anyone else who's watching, 
don't mess with David when he's inquiring of God. You lost your idols the first time. This time you're going to lose your life. And he inquired. The stronghold. It could be for a week or it could be for a second. You can push the button. It could be for a week or it could be for a second. Do you have a stronghold? And if you like acrostics, I don't know how this makes sense, but it's S-I-P, right? Just take a sip of God here. And I was going to get like teacups and tea and hot and I was going to walk around with that and I figured I'd burn myself at least. But can we just sit back when we face the flat tires in our life or the Philistines in our life, can we just sit back and go to our stronghold for a week or for a second? Because I think David did both. And can we inquire of the Lord and we, can we proceed with where he wants us to go? That's my question to me. That's my question to the guy in the mirror. But I go to the Lord and, and, I, and, I, and I look for that answer and, and, and God says, wait. Or God says, it's good to hear your voice again. I had to look to see who it was. I haven't heard you in a while. into my stronghold, into our stronghold, and take this sip of God, and to inquire from God, and proceed. I pondered the possibility that this may work as good advice in handling any of the happenings in it that we face in life. Can we take a sip of God, God's leading? Can it become such a way of life that we will not take a step ahead without hearing from God? I can ask, when was the last time you heard from God? But maybe I would ask, when's the last time you inquired from God? When was the last time you spent time with God? God hasn't spoke to me in two years. You probably haven't spoke to him in two years either. Or maybe you have it through your teeth. But you, have you inquired? Have you spent time in the stronghold? Have we inquired? And was the last time he told you something, it wasn't what you wanted to do, so you went and did something else? It sounded too crazy, God. You want me to sit under a tree until the leaves sounded like people marching. Or can we take a sip of God? I think in some things we do fairly well. Others I don't think we do so quite so well. Just let me, just let me throw out a couple of things here. Uh, I, I think these, this, this will work of taking a sip from God will work in big things. Jobs and businesses and transitions in your business or transitions in jobs and where to go to college. I think often we, 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 people come, I don't know what to do, and we pray, and, and we seek God, and inquire of God, and help them proceed in where, we want, where God wants them. And I think faith steps. God, should I take this faith step? Should I be on the worship team? Should I help for the kids' ministry? Shall I do this? Should, should, in taking these big faith steps, I think maybe we do pretty well. But I think this would work. This SIP would work in big things in our life. We're going to buy a house or choose a spouse. I think we'll spend some time with God. And I think it happens, I think it, at times it'll, it'll happen in the battle things. And the things that we're battling. The addiction. Did you ever ask God, God, how am, what are we going to do with this Philistine addiction in my life? And I'm not talking drugs. Talk to God about that too. 
He's got a plan to get you out of that. Are you hearing me this morning? And I'm not going to assume that everyone in this room is sober this morning. Because that would be strange if everyone at New Life was sober. But just so you know, God's got a plan on how to get you out of the addiction. He does. It might sound crazy. You might have to sit under a tree until the leaves rustle. But God's got a plan to get you out of the addiction. You can push the button, please. The sins of commission or omission. Sometimes I think I just try to stop or start something. I just try to stop something I don't think God wants me to do. And I never really spend time in the stronghold inquiring of God, how do I have victory over this in my life? And the enemy, dealing with the enemy in your life and in my life, the sickness in the past. God, is this the time that you want to deal with the past? I'm inquiring of you, God. I'm in my stronghold. I'm inquiring, is this the time when you want me to let go of this from my past or be healed from this abuse or be healed from this situation in my life? God's got a plan. I'm, I'm, as I said that to myself this week, God's got a plan. And I, heard, and I heard myself say, can you let me in on the plan, God? He said, it's enough for you to know that I'm a good God and I've got a plan right now. And I love you and you're my son. And then proceed. But I think, too, you can flip it. I think it works in the building things, too. I call this the nails and the screws of the house. The building things, not just the big things of life. I think we'll run to God in the big things. And sometimes we'll run to God in, 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 the, in the battle things. But do we run to God in the building things? And if you've heard nothing else this morning, pay attention for this the next five minutes. Because I think God wants to be in the building things as well. And I think God wants us to enter the stronghold and to inquire of Him and then to come out of that with a, with, a proceed, with a process that He has laid out for us. The building things. Go to the stronghold. I call the building things this, the things I do and the things I don't do. Did you ever ask God that? What do you want me to do here? I'm talking in the day-to-day -day things. I'm not talking in, should I sell the business or should I, should I change this job or should I go to college or should I, I pray against this sickness? or should I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the day-to-day -day things, the building things. When you walk from your, your car to your house, are you seeking the Lord in your, in, in, in your stronghold and say, God, when I walk through that door, what do you want me to do? Because I want to do what you want me to do, God. I want you to do what you want me to do. I've got a plan, God, and some of us go home from work and we we got the whole evening plan. Hurry up, hurry up, shove this sandwich down your throat. We gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, get in the car. Oh no. I wonder when was the last time I went from the car to the house saying, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do tonight? What do you want me to do? Before we say anything. Do we step into our stronghold? Before we do anything, do we step into our stronghold and inquire of the Lord and see what he wants us to do? And maybe he just says, stay home this evening 
and play games with your family. God, that sounds like a little leaf rustling to me. You ask. What good is what good is what good is a night of monopoly? I'm just saying you ask. And that's what I want you to do. I thought maybe you'd want me to walk on water or something. Play Monopoly. That's all I want you to do. You're not quite at the water walking stage yet. I think you can handle Monopoly. I want you to get off your phone and look at your spouse. I want you to hang your phone up on the edge of the door. And I want you to stop thinking Google is more interesting than your family. That's what I want you to do tonight. That's what I want you to do. I want you to do the dishes. I ain't doing do no dishes. Do you know your wife has the, her love language is deeds done for her. You know that doing the dishes will rock her world. And you keep praying for your marriage, and you keep praying for your marriage, and you keep praying for your marriage, but you won't listen to me. You won't even do the cotton-picking dishes. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I want you to play games. I want you to, to, to do the dishes. I want you to talk with your neighbor. You walk right by him every single week. Do we ever just go into our, our, our stronghold and inquire of God on the building things of life? What do you want me to do, God? Or what do you not want me to do? There are some things that you have done and I have done that I'm telling you are not from God. I want you to go in the house, and I want you to see something on the floor, and I want you to lose it. Because that will really help your evening. And then I want you to get mad at your spouse. And, oh, baby, it's on. I, I think we do those things. I think we do those things without being in the stronghold and inquiring of God. Am I making sense today? See, we're going to do it in the big things. We're going to do it in the battle things. But what will we do it in the building things? When was the last time we asked God what did he want us to do? How about just simply, what do you want me to say, God? What do you want me to say? Before we say anything, do we step into our stronghold Five seconds, two seconds, three seconds, and inquire of the Lord to seek His words and then proceed in His way. Some of the things that come out of your mouth and come out of your, my mouth are not from God. I'm guaranteeing you that. Words that belittle and words that are coarse, words that are mean, and maybe no words at all. I'm not going to say anything. My grandmother used to tell me, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything. I, I love my grandmother. I don't think that's from God. If you can't say anything nice, spend time in your stronghold so you can. 
because we speak life with our words. And the first thing that you say when you come through the door to your son or to your daughter or to your wife or to your husband, I'm telling us, will rock their world one way or another. Will we spend time in the stronghold for the things that we say or don't say? When was the last time you spoke hope and encouragement and life into your family? If I ask the question, when was the last time you yelled at your spouse or yelled at your kids? You might be able to remember that. But when was the last time you spoke life into them and encouragement into them? When was the last time that you spoke hope into your family's life. See, I want the big things with God. The Philistine moments. And I want the, the battle things. But I want the building things with God too. Because God cares about the nails that you're putting your house together with. Do we even dare Step into the stronghold for that three seconds from the car to the house. And say, God, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? I'm guaranteeing you he's got an idea. And he's a communicating God, and he'll tell you. How about it, New Life? God wants to build your family. God wants to build your family business. God wants to build. Can we just take a sip of God? Stronghold. Inquire. Proceed. Over and over and over and over and over again. Can you stand with me today? Father, we sing this song, God, turn this thing around. And Father, I know, I sing that this morning and I feel the battle, the battle thing in my life that I want you to turn around. But Lord, I want to sing that song about my time with you. Turn this around, God. Help me to listen to you, God. Help me to have that David moment over and over and over that he inquired of the Lord. And then he proceeded with what you told him to say and do. Father, thank you so much for that. Thank you for being a God. I don't think there's some things you'll, you'll we'll tend to spend perhaps weeks and months seeking you. But I have a feeling in the building things you're going to answer swiftly. What should I do when I get in the house? What should I say when I get in the house? I don't think you're going to spend a week giving us that answer. I think you'll give it to us in the moment. And if it sounds crazy, 
Just help us do it. Because sometimes the balsam trees just need to rattle their leaves as the starting pistol to say go. So Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you don't leave us out here on our own. Father, a blessing on all that is here today, all that has joined us online. Father, a blessing on every household that's here, a blessing on every marriage that's here. I, f I pray that even in the middle of an argument, both would just stop and take a sip of God. I pray that we would become people who spend time with you and build our lives and build our families and build our relationships on what you have said and what you are doing. Father, I thank you so much for that. Father, here we go. We're leaving here today. The church is leaving the building. So, Father, may we go with you on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day.